You are listening to the Unlikely Felon Podcast, episode number 19. Welcome to the Unlikely Felon Livestream. This show is peppered with humor, entertains with inspiration, and presents real solutions to post-traumatic recovery. Here is your host, author, speaker, and mistake maker, W.C. Young. Welcome to the podcast, The Unlikely Felon, based on the book as well. I appreciate you joining me today. My name is W.C. Great, uh, great week, great summer weather. I hope you're having a, a great week and accomplishing your dreams and goals. It's been uh, very warm where I've been at. And uh, boy, I've talked to people around the world and, and with some things the last couple of weeks and bizarre weather. But uh, wherever you're at, I hope you're, you're doing what you need to do. Had a great uh, camping trip that I wanted to talk about over last weekend. And just want to give a shout out to uh, Christy, who owns Java Lava. If you ever get to Granby, Colorado, go in there and and tell her that I sent you, but, uh, and I get a commission. No, <laughs> just kidding. I, I don't, but, uh, just a, a fantastic person. And I, I didn't even tell her I was going to do this today, but I, I want to talk about, uh, just great people in your life. And one of the things I learned from our whole case and everything that happened was that I thought I knew a lot of people and, and I did, I, I knew thousands of people. And I thought they were all my friends. And what I found out is that when everything happened, there were very few people standing there and, and very few people who wanted to help and support. And what you find is that, you know, I, I probably had six or seven really great, incredible friends in my life. And I probably took it for granted. And the thing about uh, Christy, I just want to, uh, we had this incredible weekend and she's just such an incredible person. And I think we both, you know, we've all been through our different drama and trauma and all these different things. And boy, it, it, it makes us into, I think in some cases, just very unique, incredible people. But she's, uh, to give you a quick background on it, uh, we, she was actually a friend of one of the mothers of a girl who played volleyball with my daughter back in the day, a long time ago. And she would come to these events and tournaments that they do. And, and we'd see her kind of off in the distance by herself. And if you're involved in competitive volleyball or other competitive sports, you know that <laughs> some of the the parents can be completely insane and nuts. But, uh, and so she was uh, probably because that reason was off on her own and a uh, very smart person was doing her own thing. So anyways, Kay really influenced me that she went over and Kay introduced herself to her. And, and then I introduced myself and, just come to find out she was just this incredible person and, and we've become great, great friends. We had the incredible weekend and just um, just want to have a shout out to her. If you get to Granby again, stop by the Java Lava, incredible breakfast, coffee, all that good stuff. So today I want to talk about resilience. That was uh, my, my main topic today is what's it about? How do you, how, how much of it do you have? And did you, did you know you can measure it? And you can improve it. And then from the book, I want to talk about work release. I don't think a lot of people know what the heck that is. We'll have inspiration on a unique story about resilience. And and actually, I think a lot of times we tell ourselves things that may be true or not true. But we're going to talk about a story where somebody ended up with the wrong information, but created this amazing life out of it. So what is this resilience thing? It's it's defined as a level of capacity in a, a person that a person has to recover quickly from 
difficulties and, and toughness. And that's the definition, but I want to add a couple more things. I think the keyword is quickly. And in sports, they call it a short memory. And if you're, if you've had a chance to watch the Avs Lightning Stanley Cup final series, you're seeing a lot of that. We had one game where one team blew out the other team, and then the next game, the other team blew out the other one. And again, just kind of that short memory of, of going through a difficult time and then bouncing back. So the question is, what, what about your level? Research, research tells us a couple of things that there's some components of, of being resilient in this whole resilience thing. It's number one is optimism. Now there's those optimists again, but again, they tend to be more resilient since they're the, the way they're looking at the world. They're staying positive. They're constantly positive about the future and what's happening, even when they're faced with insurmountable obstacles and problems. The second one's faith and spirituality. Now I know this, this one really helped me out a lot in my comeback, but it not only helped me out a lot, but it, it kept me alive. I think in those times because I, um, I had something to lean on, right? I, I had something to help me to overcome and I knew that I, I could or that I would. Uh, third is selfless. This is an interesting one because the research says that most re- resilient among us are often the people who turn to help others when they need to relieve stress and boost their self-worth and value. I remember a story that Jack Canfield used to talk about where he had a lady, a friend who was, who had all kinds of depression issues. And he went over to her and he told her, you know what, when you, you get into this situation, just, just go to your neighbor's house and start sweeping her front porch. And the lady's like, what? What are you talking about? And it actually helped her quite a bit. It was like this way she was giving to somebody else to help herself. Next one is moral compass. And, and people with a strong moral compass know, and especially, right, they know right and wrong. Now, I, I don't know if when everything happened to us back in the day, if I really knew what my right and wrong were. I think the line was, it was often, it was so constantly getting blurred. And, and because if you don't, I don't think if you know you're right and wrong, if it's in concrete, that's going to tend to help you make, it's an easier time for you to bounce back. The next one is having a role model. So those people who have a role model um, in mind, they can draw on that strength, right? Because they want to emulate that type of person or that person could, uh, have made it through all kinds of crap, the same, same stuff you're going through. And that helped me, especially when everything happened and I would read about people who had made it through something similar or even worse. Maybe they went to prison or they lost everything. And it just made me realize I can, I can do this. Uh, Social supports, no surprise, right? Social supports, so important, incredibly important to your level of resilience. Those with that strong support networks, they tend to be better equipped, right? To bounce back from loss or disappointment. I thought, I thought I had those, but again, I didn't, as I mentioned earlier, I knew a lot of people, but I didn't really have a lot of close friends. I think I was disconnected and I had Kay and I had these amazing friends, but it was that whole, um, I think support system. And, and now one of my goals is to continue to, to work on that and make it stronger. And I think it's more quality over quantity, right? So next one is facing fear. It's, it's not about necessarily taking action, but people who are willing to leave their comfort zone, maybe they're, they're able to confront some of those fears. I know we talked about that last week. They're more likely to overcome those challenges and even grow in the process. Uh, meaning or purpose in life. And I, boy, that was a big one for me. I had to find my purpose in life again. I mean, I really, I had to find this tremendous amount of meaning and, and what was I going to do now? And if you can do that, you're more likely to recover from whatever the disappointment is that you're dealing with now or you have in the past. 
last one is humor. And I thought <coughs> people who have, uh, sorry, my, my allergies are going nuts, uh, summer allergies, but I think people who have a healthy sense of humor and are able to laugh at their own misfortune, they tend to have that ability to come back. And there's been so many times where, as I mentioned, I, I've been embarrassed about the whole situation and even being a felon. It's like, it's just, even saying it, it's, it's embarrassing. But I also have had that ability to laugh at myself and say, you know, how could you be so dumb? <laughs> and just, why did you do that? What about this? What was happening there? But having that sense of humor is really good. So how do you improve your resilience? And if you're put in a, a bad spot, how can you have the type of comeback or impact that you need to meet to do? So five quick things, right? Here's First of all, I call it, keep it real, which is avoiding the tendency to view whatever's going on, the crisis or the challenges. It's it's so overwhelming. It's insurmountable. I'll never be able to, to keep it going, right? You got to keep it real. What is really happening? Next, number two is accepting that change is a natural and an unavoidable part of life. And if you're getting older, as we all are, and especially as you get even older, okay, past 50, <laughs> you realize that there are changes happening and things that you can't avoid and you just have to deal with, right? Number three is moving towards more, I think, realistic goals, right? Taking action, real action, because you're you're just working on your goals, all those problems and issues come up and you're able to overcome them a little bit easier. Number four is looking for opportunities of self-discovery. It's it's really what's that positive view of yourself and your abilities? Are there some new things you can learn? What are things you need to improve on? And last, keeping things in, a, in, in context. It kind of goes back to that first one, but it's maintaining, always looking at it as the glass is half full, as my kids would say, dad, you're always a glass, the glass is half full kind of person. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm always trying to look at what's the bright side. What's the positive side? What's, what's the good stuff right here this week from the book. Uh, I've, I've actually I've been calling it what we should have done or what we should have said, but I think from now I'm just going to say from the book. Cause yeah, I think as you look back, right, you, you could have, should have would on about a million different things all the time, but from the book, I think very few people really know about work release and what that's about. We have images of jail and prison and all this stuff. And I, I write, um, my mind also leapt to how Jack and Jack was my attorney was always hesitant about answering questions on prison, jail and work release. And now I was wondering, am I going to prison later in the book? I write this work release fee was new to me. Apparently most counties come up with a way to obtain money from inmates. They charge a daily fee that must be paid weekly in order to participate in a work release program. The county fee, they structure it starting at about $14 a day and it went up to $70 per day. And I say, <laughs> I say, uh, Nayers, uh, wasn't his real name, but was uh, the officer that I dealt with quite a bit. And if you've read the book, you, you know, but he, he ended his motivational speech with, do you hear me? Let me say it again. You'll go back upstairs and back to the regular jail with no work release and no fresh air or sunshine, no alcohol or drugs of any kind. We do random tests and all you numb nuts. So don't screw it up. We'll catch you and you'll go back up. So it was, uh, it's this interesting thing because at night you're staying in what they call a pod is almost like a college dorm. And then by day, uh, you're leaving and some, some 
uh, the people worked at night, but then you're leaving. And I was fortunate because I work from home. I, I got to go home and work from home during the days day. And then I got to go back at night and then I stayed there on the weekends and it was just a very interesting system. And it's set up, I, I think, and, and what was funny is you had to pay, right? So <laughs> having to pay this fee in order to, to participate in this program, but that's the way they set it up. So, and I, I talk obviously extensively about it in the book. Just a quick break to let you know that today's podcast is sponsored by the Amazon Associates Program, which is one of the largest affiliate networks in the world that helps content creators, publishers, and website owners monetize their traffic. This week's inspirational story comes from a, a great video that I saw on YouTube, and it was an interview. And I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, it's through a show. It's the Impact Theory Show. I think it's Fearless Motivation might be part of it too. But he's this guy's talking about how his dad told him this story about a magazine entrepreneur who was incredibly successful and in, in what had happened to him. So basically, and this was very actually timing for us because my daughter's getting ready for college and taking SATs and ACTs and all this stuff. So he tells the story of this guy, and maybe you've heard this before, but I, th- I thought it was just fantastic. And he tells a story where the guy goes, he's not a very good student, really struggles, uh, bottom of, of his class kind of thing, hanging out with some not so good people. And so he takes the SAT, somehow he, he was convinced to do it. And he gets a score and he gets like a 1480, which if you're familiar, I think Fifteen or sixteen hundred is the the highest you can get, and so his score is literally like top couple percentage points. And so they're like, "Wow, you are really smart. You you you've got this incredible maybe genius inside of you that's just never come out." So what does he do? He he changes the the people that he's hanging out with, and he starts to really get into school and he finishes his senior year, ends up going to a great college and for a couple of years, then transfers to an Ivy League school, does really well academically and goes out in the world and becomes a very successful, I guess, magazine entrepreneur. I got to find out who, who the true story is about this, but who this is, but becomes very successful. Well, I guess the SAT has a system or they've been implementing over the years where they will review scores and especially good scores and bad scores. And they review this gentleman's test and they find out that he really scored a 740. It was an error. He was sent the wrong test. And so here he is, he receives this information, 740. Again, thought he had a 1480 or he was 1580, whatever. Very high, but, and the great part about that is, think about this for a minute. He changed his life. He went out, overcome all kinds of obstacles and things because he believed he could, because he had resilience, right? That he had this incredible way of, hey, I'm, I'm not the person I used to be yesterday. I'm this incredible guy. I'm really smart because very successful. And it was all based off really a lie or maybe not a lie, just misinformation, right? But does all that uh, based off a score and think of the things in your life right now that you probably are telling yourself or thinking about on a daily basis because you believe something and, and think about it. Are you, what are you believing? Are you believing that you got a 1480 or a 740? Cause it makes a huge difference, right? So really keep, uh, please keep those thoughts coming. Um, as we go through, I, I just want to thank you for joining me today. I, 
again, uh, shout out to Christy, just an amazing person. And like me, she, I think she's gone through some serious, crazy stuff in her life, just like we all have, but she came back and she's become this person. I think like me, where those circumstances cause her to be even softer and kinder and more giving. I mean, she does, she does fundraising, fundraising events in her town, just left and right. And people know her and everybody's helping each other out. And she's this incredible conduit to all these things happening in this little mountain town and in her family, they, they're generations from there. But it, I think those things caused her to really start even more to reach out to people and make a difference. And, and as, I, as I watched her over the weekend, it inspired me even more, right, to, to continue to overcome all the things that I'm overcoming on a daily basis. And as uh, James Clear, I've talked about him before, right, the author of Atomic Habits, he says, um, in the end, you really have to rethink, and I think you have to rethink resilience. He says, mental toughness is often portrayed as determination and persistence, but it can also be flexibility and adaptability. I love this. He says, here's the thing. You can tell yourself, I can be happy anywhere. I can work with what I have, and I can have a good day with anyone. You are tough when your mood is not dependent on your conditions. So great. Thank you again for connecting. Keep the feedback coming. If you get a chance, uh, go to Amazon, please. Uh, oh, and, and if you would do a review of this podcast, different places to review on Apple and different sources and give, uh, give it five stars or some positive feedback or what you like about it. If there's only one thing, <laughs> if there's only one thing that you like, but, uh, please do and, and keep in mind those things that are going to make your life, make you more resilient. Uh, to improve or increase your resilience. So this is WC Young. Remember, sometimes the best way to help the world is to make mistakes. Goodbye for now. If you enjoyed this cast, you must check out the website, unlikelyfelon.com. You can buy WC's new book, sign up for the newsletter and see his speaking engagement schedule.